Well, good morning to you all. Thank you for joining us in worship today. Um, as you can tell, things are going to be a little different for our service today. If you came here looking for your morning nap, you are in the wrong place today. Thank you. Uh, so this Sunday, we welcome Dave Anderson and Roger Walk here to Emmanuel to provide music, obviously, participation, which you've already experienced, um, and a message about their life and God's faithfulness um, and God's provision and God's saving them in some very tangible ways. So we look forward to that. They travel on behalf of Shepherd's Canyon Retreat Center. Um, they'll tell you more about their ministry. I won't steal their thunder here just quite yet. So in place of a normal message this morning, we've kind of given them this whole next chunk of time to sing some songs and tell their story. Um, and so welcome Roger and Dave, and thanks to them for bringing some worship here this morning. So. Good to be back here. You know, years ago I s founded an organization called Lutheran Youth Encounter. It existed for 53 years. And back in 63, 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8, when I directed that ministry, I got to know a guy by the name of Kearney Franson. Does that ring a bell with some of you? Well, I thought he was one of the neatest guys I ever met. And I heard about Riverside Bible Camp from Kearney. I've never been there until yesterday. So we got put up last night at Riverside Bible Camp. The pastor said, you could stay in a motel or you could stay at Riverside Bible Camp. And I thought, aha, Riverside, I can go to Riverside. I've heard about for all these years. So we were accommodated very well last night at, uh, in the Trinity House over there at Riverside and just bought back yeah. memories of my friend Kearney Franson, who's been with the Lord for a number of years. And um, so I've got some memories from, from back in those days. And pastor, your former pastor Annenson's father, Reverend Leroy Annenson, signed the Articles of Incorporation for Lutheran Youth Encounter along with Ooh. another pastor and my wife Barbara's father. I mean, she wasn't my wife back then, but uh, Morgan Johnson also signed those. So I've had connections with the Annenson family for an awful long time. Anyway. Just a little bit of history for you. We are ambassadors for a ministry called Shepherd's Canyon Retreat, and I'm gonna tell you a little bit about that just for a moment. We provide week-long counseling retreats for men and women in full-time ministry who are in the midst of burnout, stress, depression, compassion, fatigue, and conflicts of all kinds. Today is the last full day of our 112th counseling retreat. There are five, we can take as many as eight, but there are five church workers, including spouses, at our retreat center in Arizona today. And today is the last full day of their retreat. In a few minutes, I'm going to tell you what happens. It's a very important thing happens today at five o'clock this afternoon. I'll tell you about that. But we've had 600 men and women from all over the United States, some from Canada, some, a few from other countries, that have come for an experience of restoration and healing. Pretty serious stuff, actually. I think we've had probably 25 pastors that have come to us on the verge of quitting ministry. Do you know how many pastors of all denominations are on the verge of quitting ministry? A lot. In one Lutheran denomination, 
it is estimated within the next seven years, 50% of all pastors will have retired. That's not quitting the ministry, that's just retiring. So we're facing some interesting years to come in ministry within our denomination and all Christian denominations, actually. But we're just blessed that people can come to these retreats, some of them with pretty nervous about what in the world they've gotten themselves into, and in a period of a week, they've had about 20 hours of counseling, and oh, I tell you, the breakthroughs that have happened and the new mm. beginnings and restoration and healing has been, we're gonna be on this tour, we'll be with a pastor who was a client at one of our retreats, and he's still in ministry. That's a big deal. Yep. There was a little young boy, 17 years old, that fell in love with a 16-year-old girl from a neighboring farm in Minnesota, and they fell in love, and they decided they had to be together, so they ran away from their farms. Got on a train, went to the Minneapolis-St. Paul area, found a preacher, lied about their age, got themselves married, and that's how my mom and dad's marriage started. And there were extenuating circumstances. Uh-oh. On December 8, the extenuating circumstance turns 100. Her name is Glennis. Barb and I are flying to Florida to be at her 100th birthday party. So this all happened a long time ago. My mom and dad were not, they grew up in church, Swedish Lutheran, confirmed in Swedish, sang all the hymns in Swedish and all that stuff. But in their young life together, they didn't pray, they didn't go to church, they didn't have, faith was not a part of their life, they didn't read the Bible. And then they heard that a young friend of theirs who was a high school classmate was preaching at a church in South Minneapolis. So they went to hear him. Well, they never heard preaching like that before. This was a young guy that was not fully ordained yet. He was an intern. And on the third Sunday evening service, oh, I wish I had more time to tell you the story, my wife, my, my mom and dad gave their lives to Jesus Christ. Then they went to Bible school. Then they became missionaries. And then my dad served churches. By the time I came along, I was in a home that talked about evangelism and people coming to meet Christ and having their lives changed. I heard that all my growing up years. I'm really thankful for a mom and dad that pointed me to Jesus. If my dad was here this morning, you'd have heard six amens by now. <laughs> my dad paid no attention to whether an amen was in bold print or not. Uh-uh, mm-mm. And you know, I just thank the Lord for a mom and a dad that prayed for me, that pointed me to Jesus. You've got parents, grandparents that have impacted your life. The song that Roger and I sing right now says, find us faithful, Lord, not only for the sake of the prize, but for the sake of the people who are coming behind us, who are watching us run the race. We're pilgrims on the journey of the narrow road those who've gone before us line the way they're cheering on the faithful encouraging the weary their lives a stirring testament of god's sustaining grace surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses 
Let us run the race not only for the prize, but as those who've gone before us, let us leave to those behind us the heritage of faithfulness passed on through godly lives. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. May the fire of our devotion light their way. May the footprints that we leave lead them to believe. And the lives we live inspire them to obey. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. For me, my three daughters and my three grandkids, I know they're watching my life. I pray they're seeing my Jesus. Because after all our hopes and dreams have come and gone, and our children sift through all we've left behind, may the clues that they discover and the memories they uncover Become, become the light that leads them to the road we each must find. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. May the fire of our devotion light their way. May the footprints that we leave lead them to believe. And the lives we live inspire them to obey. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. May the fire of our devotion light their way. May the footprints that we leave lead them to believe. And the lives we live inspire them to obey. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. Every time I've come to Emmanuel, I've been singing a song my first black friend sang and wrote. His name is Andre Crouch, and the name of the song is Through It All. I'm not gonna sing it. Oh, okay. But there's a CD out at the table called Through It All, and if you wanna get it. When I was at my mom's bedside, she was dying. My dad was holding her hand, and that marriage that started out kinda rough, lasted 72 and a half years and uh, and I was singing a song I want you to sing the chorus with me it is well it is well with my soul with my soul it is well it is well with my soul once more
the, uh, the lady who's 100 years old in December was at her husband's bedside with her two daughters, one of whom lives not far from here. And they were, she, he was in a nursing home two and a half days, and they had been married 72 and a half years, just like my folks. And uh, they were singing, Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. Come on. Calling, calling for, for you, you and, and for me. See, by the portal, he's waiting and watching. Watching for you and for me. Ready? Come home, come home. Ye who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling. Calling, oh sinner, come home. Guess what? He died in the chorus. Is that good timing or what? God in heaven is going, not now, not now, not now, now. Come home. That's what I think. When I get <laughs> to heaven, I'll find out, maybe. At noon today, which is uh, a couple of, you know, three, four hours from now in Arizona, the two counselors, male and female, Mike and Katie are their names, and mm. the chaplain are going to give each of the clients a river rock and a sharpie pen and they're they're going to say sometime this afternoon between our sessions i want you to write on the rock what you're leaving behind here okay one more oh stained glass window by our prayer garden that window is 107 years old you know what that window is based on nothing in my hands i bring simply to the cross i cling thank you that's 107 years old. And then they're, they're going to stand at 5 o'clock this afternoon around that altar. And they're going to read to each other what they've written on their rock. And then they're going to place the rock. You ready? Yeah, well, yeah, I am. I'm pausing. There you go. At the foot of the cross. There's a pastor from Iowa that put one of those rocks there. And if you came to our retreat center and said, I want to see the rocks at the foot of the cross, you're not going to see those words. You know why? We're not going to move the rocks. The weather wears off the words. <laughs> there's a sermon there. By the way, there's another sermon I bet you've never preached. It had to do with that Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego story. Jesus, the pre-incarnate Jesus, showed up in the fiery furnace. You all know that, right? You know what he didn't do? He didn't blow out the fire. You know what he did instead of blowing out the fire? He walked with them in the fire. Because this old heathen king, Nebuchadnezzar, said, there's four of them, and they're walking around. The sermon is, he walks with us in what overwhelms us. Mm -hmm. It's a big deal. So. They put the rocks down, then they have a time of prayer, and then there our final meal was is at 6 o'clock, but sometimes it can be as late as 6.30, depending on how long the prayer meeting goes out in the prayer garden. I'd love you to come to visit a prayer garden. By the way, we need volunteers this winter. So if you get tired of a certain thing that's white in Iowa in the wintertime, I'm not naming it, so if you know, it gets you nervous or anything, come to Arizona, and we'll put you up and 
or park your RV in our place and so forth. What does that rock in your hand say, Dave? Oh, yeah, this rock. You know what it says? This is true. This is a rock from the pile. It says hopelessness. It was a pastor of a church with about six, 700 people on a weekend who put this rock there, and he sent me an email and said, if you see a rock that says hopelessness, I'm the one that put it there. His name is Bill. He's come back four times as the retreat chaplain. In fact, he just emailed me the other day, and he says, when will I be scheduled to be a chaplain again? Wow. <laughs> wow. He's the Absolutely. one that put hopelessness on the pile. Pretty big deal to leave hopelessness behind you. Mm -hmm. Roger's going to sing, and we'll close. We often haven't thought of pastors as being the kinds of people would who would describe their life as filled with hopelessness. But it's been more common than we've ever realized, and it's becoming more common all the time. Coming to, we all go through difficult times in our lives. Amen? And if you haven't had one yet, young people, just be ready for it. Be ready to listen to what the Lord is saying. When you think there's no way you're going to be okay, he's knocking at your door. I'm here. Don't forget, I'm with you. Pastor Bill's not a songwriter, but he might have written this song to describe his experience at a Shepherd's Canyon retreat. Lord, I hear you knocking. Hear you knocking at my door. How long have you been waiting? Seems I didn't really hear you before. I know I've kind of let my place go, and I'm ashamed at what you'll find. Oh, but you can make yourself at home if you're sure that you don't mind but when I cry my roof leaks when the wind blows Lord my walls get weak but a house is known by the company that is I feel better, Lord, now that you're here, and I want to make it so clear that Jesus, from now on, you are always welcome here. There have been dark rooms deep inside me where your light has never shown and I've tried to hide inside them but I guess I've always known that one day you would call me and I'd awaken from my sleep and just the way I am and you'd promise me you'd keep me but when I cry my roof leaks and when the wind blows Lord my walls are weak 
but a house is known by the company that it keeps. I feel better now that you're near, and I want to make it so clear that Jesus, from now on, you are always welcome, right? I've told Roger that while he's singing that song, you need to be on the screen, see the old stained glass window of Jesus knocking at the door. Amen. So we're going to try to make that happen. Um, a couple of times that we've been here in past years, I've told a little bit about the fact that on August 13, 1993, Barb and I and five others were in an airplane coming from the Russian Far East to Nome, Alaska. We were going to refuel in Nome and head straight up to a Lutheran village on the Arctic Circle. But we didn't make the concert up at that village that night because at 9,000, 7,000 feet, um, one engine quit, and at 3,500 feet, the other engine quit. And we plowed into the ocean where that X is at the, at the end of the dotted line. And uh, we found ourselves in 41 degree water for a long time. What happens in 41 degree water, you lose dexterity in five minutes and you lose consciousness in 30 minutes, you're dead, you're drowned. The rescue didn't start until we'd been in the water 40 minutes and it lasted 25 minutes. The last one pulled out of the water was in the water way, way, all of us way too long to have been in that kind of a situation and, and lived. And it was an amazing story. In the last three and a half minutes, we were praying, Lord help us, God save us. And one guy in the back of the plane hollered, oh Lord, I wanna see my family again. And then my wife, Barbara, bless her heart, she prayed just before we hit the water. She prayed the most wonderful prayer you could ever pray, pray at a time like that. She said, Lord, you could start the engines. Like that, yeah. And the answer was no, because that's when we hit the water 90 miles an hour. Got out of the plane in a minute, and a minute later the plane sank. There's a, ta a table on the table over here in the narthex is a rescue book and a 58-minute documentary that is pretty exciting. You know what I tell people? And it sounds like a sales pitch. Get the video, watch it, and then send it to somebody in your family who doesn't believe in miracles. Yeah. Plant a seed and say, I met, I met this guy. He and his wife and five others survived this. And uh, I've got some family members in my own life that, oh, I'm, I've still been praying that they're going to come to faith by, by just realizing that God's, God's hand in this story of supernatural intervention in, in a situation. We... Uh, we're in the water 20 minutes before we were spotted, and the, the video in the book tells you about that. And then 20 minutes later, two commercial helicopters came. And you know, you've seen rescues with helicopters with winches and cables and slings and baskets. That's exactly what didn't happen in our situation. 
The only equipment they brought with them were seven body bags. You don't rescue people with body bags. You all know that. And so each of the seven rescues is just breathtaking. And they ended up, the helicopters, they needed to put us down two or three at a time someplace. And they put us down to the top of that island. It rises out of the ocean 760 feet. So I have been twice at the top of that island, once on the day of the rescue, and once five years later we went back out there just to say, God, you sure did a good job with putting this island right here where it could help Amen. to save our lives. And we all ended up up there, and then they repositioned us, and the helicopters flew us to Nome. Doctors and nurses started working on us. But back before we knew that anybody was coming for us, the youngest guy in our group, he's a roadie. You know what a roadie is. Yep. Some people don't know what roadies are. They're the ones that plug in the sound system and stuff like that. He was our roadie. His name is Brian, 23 years old at that time. Brian hollered Bible verses twice. This is before we knew if we are going to live or die. God is our refuge and our strength, the very present help in trouble. And then a few minutes later, he hollered a verse that we've all sung this morning. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Remember thinking it's the wrong verse. <laughs> Didn't seem like a time to rejoice or be glad, but that's the verse he hollered. Okay. We've, we've make, got a lot of mileage out of that <laughs> prayer, I'll tell you, that statement over these years. You know what we can rejoice in tonight, this morning, I mean? That God, it's like the presence of Jesus in the fiery furnace. God is with us in what overwhelms us. That's right. And for nobody here at Emmanuel will it ever be the Bering Sea, and for nobody at Emmanuel will it ever be a fiery furnace. Somebody is sitting here this morning, and not too long ago you've lost a husband. Or there have been people here that have had other tragedies and disappointments and reversals that has just taken your breath away. And you've said, and maybe out loud, I don't know how I'm going to make it. And then you've been reminded that your life and the circumstance in which you find yourself is in God's hands. And he has seen you through. And you can look back on it and say, oh, God was there all the time. And that's what we're saying, that in the midst of this really incredible situation in the Bering Sea, I believe since the foundations of the world, God knew that on the 13th of August, 1993, a plane was going to fall from the skies into the Bering Sea. And I, when I get to heaven, I don't know for sure. I'm going to, I'm going to find out how many angels it took. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to talk to him personally. You know, and say thank you very much. <laughs> oh, let's pray, Father. Thank you that at a retreat center in Arizona today. There are some breakthroughs that are going on. There's some healing that's been going on this whole week, and today it's a culmination of that. Thank you that back in the 13th of August you arranged a rescue, but we're here more than all of that to say thank you, Lord, that on the cross you paid for our sins and you rescued us, and you gave us hope and peace that passes all under standing. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
Part of the reason that Roger and I are on the road is to keep the lights on at a retreat center in Arizona. I mean, to literally keep the lights on. Yeah. And some people getting paid and some mortgage being paid. And we're just praising the Lord that now in, here in Iowa and in Nebraska, some thousands of dollars will be raised by the end of this week that we can bring back and say, thank you, Lord. So if you're making an, a gift to the Shepherd's Canyon Retreat Ministry, we really need your help. I would appreciate if you would write Shepherd's Canyon Retreat. Your pastor's already mentioned that. Put it in that envelope. You can put it in, in that offering plate at the back or where? Okay. And, um, or send it to us or go to our website and hit the word donate. <laughs> And we would be so grateful for you standing with us. Your, your church, by the way, and you, you maybe don't know this, has sent us some gifts. Pastor Annenson and his wife have sent us some gifts. And we are, one of the reasons I want to be here this morning was just to say thank you very, very much for helping to keep this ministry going. God bless you. Thank you.